listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, a civil engineering planning and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve the quality of life within the communities we serve. This episode's hosts are Wade Griman, Rich Volker, and Mark Parrington. Well, thanks for joining us today as we gather to talk about one of the most important things that we consider in the design process for our transportation system and its safety. We'll just roll right into the questions here. Describe different components of the transportation network and how safety plays into that decision-making process for design elements, such as intersections, roadway segments, multimodal considerations. When we're looking at the transportation network for a client, we're often looking at where the needs are, either from a capacity standpoint or from a safety standpoint. Sometimes that safety is both a statistical issue of recording a lot of crashes along a corridor, or they have a perceived safety issue where they get a lot of calls of, this is dangerous. There's a lot of attention being paid to older corridors. There's so many conflict points, so many ways to have crashes and safety issues. Oftentimes there isn't a multimodal element to those corridors. And a lot of times we're actually looking at a potential reduction in capacity of diminishing that from two through lanes in each direction to one and having a turn lane in the center. Maybe that additional width can be used by other uses, whether it be parking or bicycle accommodation. Overall, one of the primary goals is that we're trying to set a target of no roadway fatalities in our system. This is a great challenge because of everything we're dealing with within a corridor. But it is something that if we take the safe system approach in which we look at all the elements, we look at design, we look at operation, and beyond that, we have driver behavior. All these things lead to how a corridor performs. That in turn plays into when we look at the networks, it's the reality of different things that have developed over time. A corridor can take on many lives over its years as it evolved of being a very busy highway that was perhaps first in place before our interstate system ever came to be and it carried a lot more traffic we have to look at how intersections behave in the standpoint of traffic control with stop signs yield signs traffic signals and all of these relating to one another as vehicles travel down the road there's a lot of different modes we have to consider these days that are a greater priority than just getting a car from point a to point b Many elements tie together, and at times it's a challenge of looking at just one intersection, one driveway point that's causing a lot of friction or conflict versus looking at an entire corridor and how it behaves and performs. As we look at the actual roadway corridor from a holistic standpoint and how each element within that corridor is supposed to function related to vehicle speeds and safety, talk through how that speed and safety can complement each other or combat with each other, depending upon where you're at with the roadway. Our interstate system, a complete access controlled facility that has people traveling at a very high rate of speed to go long distances is one of the goals of why it was created for goods movement, for people movement. Sometimes people associate that high speed with dangerous and yet our interstates are some of our safest facilities that we have in our system. Why is that? It's because of that access control and that predictability and the expectations of drivers as they travel. They shouldn't have someone stopping immediately. They shouldn't have a vehicle pulling out in front of them. As we work our way through the various roadways in our system, the arterial highways, 
or maybe down to just arterial streets and so on, collectors, neighborhood streets, you know, the speed obviously come down because the level of conflict starts to go up. And we need people to have that lower speed as they have to deal with people pulling out of driveways, intersections in which there's a lot of movements at one intersection, a lot of conflict. We mix in other vehicles, buses, pedestrians, bicyclists, it just creates even further conflict. Any given intersection can have almost 32 different conflict points. One of our goals as designers and traffic operations professionals is that we want to do all we can to help mitigate those things. I would add that for over 30 years now, we've been on-call traffic engineering professionals for the Iowa Department of Transportation for many operational and safety needs. We were helping some of the initial road diets, the four-lane to three-lane conversions in Iowa in smaller towns many years ago. We make things predictable so that we take away as much of that conflict as possible. When you start to introduce some of the multimodal facets of the corridor, like pedestrians and bicycles, the intersections is really where that all blends together. That's when we start to introduce concepts like roundabouts or other types of intersection designs to help convey all modes in a safe and efficient manner. What are some of the examples from a transportation safety perspective that your clients face that are challenging them on projects? Well, a lot of the issues that the clients that I'm working with are facing are those intermodal conflicts of cars and pedestrians. And as Mark alluded to, the unexpected situation of suddenly they're not used to seeing a pedestrian there. All of a sudden there's a pedestrian there than dealing with those impacts because those users are particularly vulnerable pedestrians and bicyclists. A lot of those challenges come to the behavior of the vulnerable person. Think about how bikes behave and stop sign compliance and things like that. Those are hard to predict, hard to control, and they are a constant challenge for our clients in trying to diminish the hazards that people see. That There's a lot of near misses and other issues related to intermodal conflicts. I think some other challenges we see is where we have a older design. I mean, we have some roadways and facilities that were put together clear back in the 40s, 50s. What we see over time is that may have been an appropriate design for the level of traffic and what was going on in the area, but things change. Again, sometimes we may have densities go down and volumes actually drop. But in many cases, the things we notice is the challenge for agencies is that land uses change adjacent to an existing facility. And that facility may all of a sudden experience a lot more stopping and turning traffic in the middle of a corridor. Therefore, it's how do you have to adapt and change to recognize that we're going to have safety conflict with all the new turning traffic and people stopping more often. We may actually create other problems by introducing a traffic control device on the high-speed highway where some of the safety performance of a new element can be actually worse than maybe what we're trying to correct or prevent. Maybe we can get rid of these dangerous right angle crashes in which people are getting hurt badly. The trade-off may be we have to accept there may be a higher degree of rear-end collisions because now people are stopping more due to a new traffic signal, something of that nature. It's a challenge in how we present that to the public 
making sure they understand the reason we're doing the type of solution we're doing will have the best net outcome for improving safety at an intersection or in a corridor. A lot of times cities or counties, they don't necessarily have the financial resources to address all of their safety issues within their network on their own. Maybe talk through a little bit about the different funding sources that they could leverage from the state or the federals to bring toward a project that has some safety issues. Sure. You know, in Iowa, as well as a lot of the Midwestern states, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Missouri, many have some sort of a traffic safety funding element created to help with projects. Specific to Iowa, we typically look at a couple different programs, the Traffic Safety Improvement Program, which is an excellent one that has been around for probably 30 years now. It's a very quantitative process that looks at crashes, looks at what an improvement measure may be that will help with the benefit cost ratio to prove out that this is the right approach to do and we can bring funding to the table. Maybe we can approach the idea of, hey, this intersection is getting so busy that we need additional traffic control and what is the proper type, whether it be as simple as a four-way stop or is it more elaborate such as a roundabout intersection or a traffic signalized intersection. That's one element and the county level. There's the HSIP program, which again, it's another level of funding we can bring to county rural roads to help with a lot more challenges such as runoff the road type crashes, hitting fixed objects relevant to their jurisdictional concerns. There's sources there. If there's a much larger problem, usually there is federal funding streams through the Departments of Transportation in which, again, they typically have a top 100, top 200 list that they look at within their state. A lot of that is about looking at frequency of crashes versus severity of crashes. We certainly take a very big focus on severity of crashes. Are people getting hurt at these intersections? Those are the places that we also try to help our agencies with taking a strong look to what can be done to mitigate the outcomes of these collisions. Again, these funding sources, as Wade mentioned, quite often I think some people, they know they've got crashes in their community. It's taking a systematic approach. We've got 10 plus years of data at our fingertips here in Iowa, at least, that we can bring up and look at and say, where's the severity? Where is it occurring the most? How do we zoom in on that and say there's likely improvements? Most importantly, can we bring funding to match in with whatever the agency policymakers may have decided to do to result in a good project that will make the most impact on improving safety? It's also important for our clients to realize that safety improvements don't have to be expensive either. There are quite a number of safety improvements that can be on the radar, especially as there's that zero fatality goal to always have that in the back of their mind as they're doing capital improvement plan type work where they're perhaps overlaying a roadway. That's an excellent time to take a look at the safety of the corridor. There's a lot of issues out there that can be solved with very inexpensive additions to a project to be able to very greatly enhance the safety of a corridor. An example is an overlay project and taking a look at the corridor capacity and usage and looking at striping it a different way. 
We talked earlier about four-lane to three-lane conversions that are called road diets. Those can be very inexpensive projects. It's mostly paint. And when you're coupling it with overlay or regular road maintenance that might be a refresh on the pavement surface, that's a great time to take a look at that and potentially add a fairly significant safety benefit by removing the potential issues or conflict points and really not affecting the capacity or usage of the roadway. Another one, Mark, that I'll prompt you on is the availability of the Iowa DOT Traffic Engineering and Assistance Program as a generally free service that the DOT provides for smaller communities and various traffic safety issues. Correct. For smaller agencies that might only have a city engineer who has to wear so many hats or perhaps some public works staff, they have the ability to request assistance through the Traffic Engineering Assistance Program, TEEP, to deal with an intersection project, a corridor project, to look at what is going on. We've got safety problems. How can we deal with that? And it provides that assistance that they don't normally have. Usually the only level of contribution that agency needs to make is A, making a request and good justification for it, and B, perhaps assisting with some input on local conditions, data collection, background information. As Rich mentioned, really kind of a zero cost to them other than a little bit of their staff time. And that can lead to results. Those studies and reports are usually very effective for turning those into safety dollars that will help realize the ability to get the project done for the community. Kind of walk through why clients would want to call us to help them solve some of their safety issues within their corridor system. I think one of the things that we really do well and we've prided ourselves on over the years is the fact of taking this systems approach and really looking at everything. Quite often we talk about the four E's, engineering, education, enforcement, and then emergency response. Well, we can't control emergency response as much, but we very much can get involved in these other elements on the education and the enforcement. The education being how do you interact with the public and make them aware of what it is you're trying to do. And the enforcement is also the way we try to coordinate with law enforcement when we look at problems and issues. I've always taken an approach that when we're dealing with these things, I can talk about a change in traffic control or a change in speed limit or things of that nature. But at the end of the day, it's also law enforcement that's going to have to deal with those things. But I think those are elements of what we bring into the other very primary E that we're involved in, the engineering, which is really taking this very total approach to solving some sort of a safety problem again in a corridor at an intersection somehow in the transportation system very much trying to look at all the elements that relate to it many times when we're doing traffic engineering we're kind of coming in after the fact and talking about well can we change the pavement markings and make an impact on how vehicles behave their drivers behave can we change signing can we change lighting are there other things we can do that perhaps is not a major infrastructure investment, but subtle things that could have a big impact on crash mitigation in an area. I think the other thing we try to do too is really look at all the different influences on the driver behavior. There's so many things beyond just, well, my road is straight and flat, what's the problem? 
it's all these other influences of the land adjacent, the driveways coming in, the type of vehicles that may be merging in or out of traffic. How does it appear to the drivers trying to navigate this road? What are we dealing with with drivers? Are we near a high school where every year we get new 14, 15 year olds that are learning how to drive? Are we dealing with elderly drivers that have totally different characteristics their reaction times, their vision, how they behave within traffic. I think it's just trying to always make sure we take this holistic approach to looking at everything related to it when we try to come in and solve a problem. We also believe very much in right sizing. It's making sure that if we're looking at a safety problem, well, what is the right solution related to that problem? At times, we don't need a sledgehammer just to put a pushpin in the wall. It's making sure we pick the right thing that will still get us the safety mitigation, but perhaps isn't a incredibly large investment by a public agency. We just try to make sure we come up with the best solution that fits what the problem is. One of the things that clients look to us for is that we have a presence. People are fairly aware that One of our largest practices is transportation. We have extreme depth of staff. Quite honestly, this is the type of work that gets us to other locations where we might not actually have an office. A lot of that goes to the usefulness of that knowledge and that expertise and being able to translate that to really any situation in any community. When you can come from the outside and take a look at a problem that people are concerned about, that's definitely where we can provide the most benefit. I think as far as the experience and the depth of our staff is concerned too, we also can do basically soup to nuts as it relates to transportation. We can start out with transportation planning, developing a master plan for a community as it relates to capacity, future roadway network improvements, safety improvements, all the way through to final design and construction, administration and observation for those actual improvements so that they get done correctly. Really, it's the depth of staff and it's the comprehensive experience that we can bring to bear to any city, county, state jurisdiction to make sure that their safety needs are met. On behalf of Mark and Rich and the rest of our transportation professionals here at Snyder and Associates, I'd like to thank you for joining us as we talked through some of the passions and expertise that we bring to you related to safety improvements within the transportation network. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, a civil engineering, planning, and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve. Find content related to this episode on snyder-associates.com.